Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1072. I hope you're doing okay. I am sending you... Happy thoughts and good tidings? I don't know. I just couldn't bring myself to say good vibes because it just, I don't know. That's not part of my lingo. Hey, man, good vibes. I don't know. But I guess ultimately, if I'm really breaking it down, it is, they are, I am, I guess they are vibes of the good kind. I guess they are vibrations, good vibrations, if you will. Um, I'm, I'm kicking up good vibrations and I'm sending them your way. All right. Excitations. I don't know. This is getting too freeform improv here, guys. And I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not comfortable with my word association skills. So, um, and scene anyway, uh, I hope you're doing well again. I really appreciate you listening to the podcast, uh, right now during this bizarre timeline that we've all dropped into, but let's talk about making stuff, right? Maybe you have time to make stuff now. Maybe you do. If you don't, totally fine, totally understandable. If you do and you are, great. You can send us uh, events at ID10T.com. You can email us and let us know about the thing you're making, and uh, we'll try to, to get it on to let people know about it. All right? Like Seiji, who writes, I picked up a guitar when I was nine, and a few years ago I started releasing my own music. Finally, at 22, I've released a five-track EP I'm proud of titled Of Gods and Kings. The title comes from a number of songs being written in mythological allegory from King Arthur to Athena. I draw major inspiration from Ray LaMontagne, but my friends uh, just say it sounds like an indie film soundtrack. The entire EP was written, recorded, mixed, and mastered by me. You can find it under my name on all streaming uh, major streaming services or through my Instagram at Seiji Furukawa, which is S-E-I-J-I-F-U-R-U-K-A-W-A, Seiji Furukawa. So uh, great job, Seiji. I mean, listen, to, to get to experience like everything top to bottom to the putting out of that, to putting out your, your album, I mean, that just has to feel like such an incredible accomplishment to, to, that you, would un, you get to understand on every level how it gets, how the, how the, the stuff gets made. Um, what an incredible experience. I, I will go uh, listen to Of Gods and Kings as soon as I'm done with this intro. So congratulations. And 22, nice work. Gosh, I wish I had learned the guitar when I was nine. <laughs> it's so much better than... Listen, it's fine to learn guitar in your 40s, but I feel like nine when your brain is just so much more pliable. It should just be so ingrained 
in your hands playing guitar. So congratulations and well done. Events at ID10T.com for anyone else for, for things that you're making. This episode is Imogen Poots, who is a, a British. Uh, she's British, an amazing actor. She's been in a lot of really cool stuff, by the way. Uh, I'll just go through it. She was in V for Vendetta. She was in 28 Weeks Later. Um, she was in Fright Night. By the way, she has a million credits, but I'm just, I'm giving through some highlights that uh, you, you've probably seen. She was in Pop Star, Never Stop Stopping. Um, and she was in Black Christmas, which is a really fun movie if you haven't seen it yet. And she's uh, in I Know This Much Is True, which Catherine Hahn was in, who was on the podcast last week. And she's also in a movie right now called Vivarium, which Lydia and I watched and we loved. Jesse Eisenberg is in it. And it is – I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to give it away. It is uh, sort of a sci-fi psychological thriller that's great. And also Imogen told me that she is working on – she was actually working when the, when the quarantine uh, went into effect. Why the Last Man, the TV version of Why the Last Man, which is one of my favorite comics – it was uh, it's a Brian K. Vaughn Pia Guerra uh, comic, and it is a, it is an apocalypse story, but it's it's so good. So I'm so excited that they're making that. I'm, I'm I'll be excited for them to complete that. But Vivarium is available on VOD, and I know this much is true is on HBO and HBO Go slash HBO Now. Imogen was just wonderful to talk to. I talked to her, and she was in the UK again. Uh, credit to Zoom for making these possible that we have the technology to keep doing these. So there it is. And here's the ID10T podcast number 1072 with Imogen Poots as we roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. this thing blows over and then we can help small businesses we can help right. movie theaters we can help but it's um yeah it's a strange it's like a panic of not knowing where to put that energy isn't it it's um it is and especially for especially for a species of creatures who craves a certain amount of certainty <laughs> and needs, yeah. needs some predictability it's just trying to adapt to a new and when things are unpredictable then it's a then we're we don't know what the fuck to do <laughs> so. i know i know it's so true it's so fascinating the levels of control that we have and unbeknownst to us and then times like these you're like wow i was i'm a control freak and i always thought i was i thought that was everybody else's problem and most of um, it's an illusion <laughs> yeah it's totally nuts by the way i was laughing because i listened to your podcast that you did with joaquin phoenix yeah. the joker and you're chatting about pangolians do you remember that? Yes, pangolins, that, that you, which are, they're endangered, so you can't, yeah. Yeah, you and have. you wanted to get a tattoo, but now I guess, because aren't they, they're related to coronavirus, right? Oh, pangolins are? I didn't realize yes. the pangolin, oh my God. Yes. Fucking yes. pangolins, what are you it's doing? It's all pangolins and bats. This is the thing, I was like, if you got to that tattoo now, that would be like the 2020 logo, which... Well, also, you're talking about Joker, and then there's Batman, who's like, guys, I didn't... Uh... <laughs> Not responsible for this. 
I didn't poop on anything. Like, oh, God. Yeah, you have to get it lasered off. Thank God you didn't. Maybe you did it already. I did not. I still don't have a tattoo because I change my mind every week. Um, That's but good. Yeah, the pangolin. Oh, my God. That would be. Yeah, people would either be like, oh, that's cool. You're like, you're, that means we got through it. That's, or they're like, fuck you. That's yeah, you were a fan. Hero. I mean, I don't know if it's people were putting them in sandwiches or what was going on, but same deal. I think that it got transferred to humans via way of the pangolin. I mean, pangolins don't seem particularly, they don't seem appetizing. They're just like a spiny anteater. They're like a, they're like a shell. They're like a, a not spiny. They're, they're like um, armor. They're, they're shell. Oh, my nose. Yeah, and so yeah. I don't. They don't seem like that would be a tasty treat. No, and they just seem so sort of. I don't know. They seem harmless. You know, they seem kind of. They're silly, sort of. That's you know what it was is that they 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 had had enough. They were yeah. tired of being nature's little suited armor <laughs> clowns, and they're like, "We'll fucking we'll show you, we'll show you how serious this shit is." So oh true. I had totally forgotten about that. I had well. There you go. I was worried that everyone would have like been reminding you, and then you'd be like, "Yes, yes, yes, I know." But well, I have, an- I have another favorite animal, but it's extinct, and so there's no way that it could cause any pandemics. Which but animal? The- it's called a gomphothere, and the gomphotheres were basically these. Um, they were in a class of animals called proboscideans. They're elephant related, and oh. so rather than elephants have these trunks, you know, with their little nostrils on the end. And gomphotheres, they're fucking so cool looking. They're these like shovel-faced elephants. So they have like, they have like these shovel faces and they look so weird, uh, but they've been extinct for, you know, tens of thousands of years. So kind of like a platypus looking, like a beak. They don't have a beak. It literally looks like they, they, their face kind of looks like a, almost like a snowcat shovel, like a big, they just they look wow. like uh, I, they, it doesn't it, it's very off-putting at first because it looks like something you recognize but but different and weird how so. strange we've got to bring them back somehow <laughs> geez it's not very useful actually this is what i'm going to do with my quarantine time i'm going to figure out how to rebreed and introduce gomphotheres back into the so ecosystem um uh, so what are the rules in London, by the way? Are you, I would imagine you must be allowed to leave to go to pharmacy or market or something, but then it's the same home? deal. Yeah. You know, as much as you can limiting any trips, uh, yeah. to the grocery store or pharmacy. So trying to do like a grocery shop for a week or two weeks at a time and then pharmacy. And if you need to pick up some drugs, um, <laughs> and then exercise, which, you know, seems to be kind of an elasticated term because people are going to the parks just, you know, in their yoga gear or their like running gear. But yeah. to be fair, I, I you know, I, I kind of get it. Um, but people have been pretty good, especially the last few days, there was a more of a stringent lockdown. And right. obviously Boris Johnson has been put in intensive care, but apparently he's stable. Right. Um, so I think that was a real shock to a, to a lot of people because it sort of brought it closer to home. It's this figure we've been watching every night, obviously on the TV and the news. Right. And right. I think that sort of, yeah, that solidified it for people. Man. And, and is the weather amenable to outdoor activity over there right now? It is. It's so, this is the creepiest thing, but it's so beautiful at the moment. It's so nice out, which is I'm I'm kind of happy about because I'm a fan of sort of being inside with the sunlight outside and it makes the whole environment a lot nicer. So I'm I'm okay with that, even though it's 
ironic. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's bringing on spring and summer now, and it's sort of it is it is a strange situation. I've noticed most of all though it's a generation above who are just being rebels. They just won't quit their routines. I a thousand percent agree. It is it is it is the uh, it is the next up generation, and I and I feel like it probably has something to do with the fact that. It, it, it's almost a case where their wisdom and experience is working against them a little bit because they've lived through a lot totally. and they've always gotten through it. And they've been like, well, it's just like the flu. And it's like, well, it's not quite yeah, like the flu. Exactly. You know, like it's a little bit different, but exactly. they, they just feel like, oh, this is, we've been through worse. We're, you know, and I, I think that they're just also kind of set in their ways and really don't want to be told like what they can and can't do. I know it's so true. My my dad's from Northern Ireland, and he kind of you know he lived through the troubles and car bombs and all that stuff. So, I think sort of the idea of this just seems at arm's length, but it's super not. It's super right there. Um, I, I find the funniest thing is that um, I, you know, I, I scroll through the suggestions on Instagram because um, you know I follow a lot of uh, guitar and piano accounts and artists, and so I just kind of like yeah. discovering new stuff. Yeah. But it keeps trying to feed me like, um, like they're just ra- just random people on Instagram that I have no idea who they are, and they're in quarantine <laughs> but still trying to do like their oh I poses. And I'm like, what, it. what are you? Now is not the time for Instagram posing. I know. In your fucking quarantine backyard, just be a person for Christ's sake. What are you? I know. I know. And it's a really fine line. All this live Instagram stuff between, listen. There's a, do you know Willie Watson's music? No. Um, he was, he was originally an old show, old Crow Medicine show. Okay. And now he's, he's got a solo career for a long time now, but he's been doing these live performances, which are extraordinary and beautiful and covers of John Prine and all of that. And then on the other, on the flip side, you've got people who are just doing like, it's just attention seeking. And it's a little bit strange. And it's the thing that makes it sad. The thing that, that kind of makes me sad about it is like, oh, I don't, I think this is your coping mechanism. I think this is all you know. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, the environment has totally changed, but you haven't adapted yet. You're just still doing the same stuff from right. from the regular timeline from a month ago and all the weird poses and the, ooh. And like, yeah, that- they actually never needed other people anyway. That's <laughs> They just needed that screen and they're totally fine. Yeah, it's it's super weird, but it's fascinating to watch. Humans behaving the way they do yeah but if that makes those people feel better then you know what then then so be it i i've been i don't know if you're on if you go on reddit at all but what's been interesting is that they have like a um i don't I can't remember what it's called but it's like i think maybe it's like reddit public access or something where they will pop up just a random live stream of a person in you know in their living room and it's been so wonderful because it's, it's like musicians and djs and stuff and they're just in their living room like either spinning or or some I watched some guy play bass for a while practicing oh. bass and it's just fun to sort of like to watch people kind of artistically processing all this and like well, I don't know what else to do and then all of a sudden on reddit like a hundred thousand people are just watching right. them right <laughs> it's so it is so interesting what people fall back on or what they're inspired to do and I listened to this uh really great podcast actually the other day i just said good which is great and good together i good. can't tell if it's just like good. a skill or nerves very but, um, good. But, <laughs> but, um, 
<laughs> it was with George Saunders. It was a podcast with George Saunders. And he was saying how, because he is a writer, um, it was a letter to his students where he teaches in Syracuse. And he was talking about um, now is the time to record it all, if you can. So even the text messages you're sending to your friends or the emails you're getting or the pictures you're taking, it's like, make sure that you're recording it for the mm-hmm. future because this is a historical time and it's so easy to kind of neglect those things but every yeah it's funny like all the different points of view as to how to kind of think about it and think about this time rather than to be overwhelmed by the whole situation that's a great idea actually because i know that there are i know that there are apps um probably on android and definitely on ios mm-hmm. that are essentially like diary apps where you can pull in pictures and audio and write entries and maybe for people who are just clamoring for something to do, just create like a real active visual audio and literary journal, even if it's a paragraph yeah. every day, of just book. dream of consciousness and then, you know, look at it in a year. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Cause that's real. It's so hard to say. And that's the same, the same goes. I keep saying to everyone, it's a drop, it's a drop in the ocean. The amount of time we're being asked to just obey the rules, but it seems pretty endless right now. Sure. Well, especially when, you know, most people are like, rules don't apply to me. It's me. I don't gotta, I'm not gonna, I don't, you can't tell me, you know, like we're very much, yeah. like we've a lot, a lot of people have been conditioned to sort of think like, oh, that means everyone else and not me. And this is a thing that's right. like, oh, motherfucker, this means you too. <laughs> it's so true. We have a habit of doing that. It'll never happen to me. It's, it's a terrible thing to fall into. Were you working on anything when this went down? I was just about to start production on Why the Last Man. Oh, I love that comic book. Oh, it's so great. And it's wonderful. There's a real fan base for this comic. It's fantastic. (laughs) An apocalyptic event show. (laughs) I know. Viruses with men dying. Men are very vulnerable to this. Uh, (laughs) It's tricky. No, I just got got to New York, actually, and... um, with my five suitcases for like seven months, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, then we, then we got word that they were going to postpone it, obviously like every other production and job uh, across the world. But it's, um, it's pretty nuts. I mean, it's questionable if that's something that people will want to see. Oh yes, they absolutely will. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you three reasons. Number one, Brian K. Vaughn, who's amazing. Yeah. Number two, it was a great comic series. And number three, I really do, I mean, it can't be, it's it's not a coincidence that a bunch of, um, you know, contagion style movies are, people are watching right now. It's true. And it kind of reflects back an experience. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it because I just think it's so much more than, obviously there's a virus at the center of it, but what it explores by way of that is so cool. Yeah. And I love the character and I love all the other characters and the actors involved and all that, but it's, um, it's uh, it's good that it's more of a socio-political idea and, and exploration rather than just like people dying everywhere, which right, we right. really are in the midst of right now. So, I, so you guys, <laughs> I would imagine you guys are off just indefinitely until... Are, are pretty they- much, yeah. I mean, pretty much we've, we're all in close contact and um, it's actually really, really interesting how FX especially and like the people in that production... I've been really reaching out to make sure everyone's okay. And I think that just goes so far, doesn't it? Beyond the work, 
that everyone's kind of checking in on everyone's well-being so it's more about sort of is everybody good you know despite the you know acknowledging that we're meant to be doing this thing for a long time and and uh yeah I, I think that's really kind um and sweet but it's hard to say I mean I know a lot of like theater productions shut early and those won't be picked up again probably ever and um it's pretty difficult I guess with what you do with this podcast it's kind of is it a blessing because you can still do it despite the circumstances I'm incredibly lucky because the television show that I do for Walking Dead we just did it here where I'm sitting yeah for the last three weeks we did it here and so we were able to do that I'm able to do I've actually been insanely busy I've been doing podcasts and then just sort of still pitching ideas and stuff for things that are in development. And so it, it, I, I've definitely been lucky in terms of job. The only thing that I cannot do is stand up. I had to cancel all my stand up dates, but yeah. I have friends who are creating these like private zoom chat rooms where they're inviting 300 people and they're basically just performing um, it oh. from their, you know, bedrooms or living rooms or whatever. And I, I dropped in to watch one of the shows and it actually worked pretty well. I was, I was really? yeah. So maybe that's a thing we'll have to start doing. Cause I have no idea when that's going to be a thing. People will be comfortable coming and watching. Right. I mean, I got, I can't get my head around that. It, I kind of, it rings true of the idea that these days with acting, you so often have to make a self tape, right? You have to make a tape rather than right. If, you, if you're on Australia and, and they, they're doing this thing in New York and you have to like, do something in your own bedroom it's so bizarre because the quality of the air like the weight of the air is different in an audition room or in a on a stand-up at a stand-up event than it is kind of in your own safe space it's sort of it's like cotton wool in your ears or something it doesn't quite it doesn't give you the adrenaline rush and like you don't know but you can take you can use the best take though you know like you can (laughs) you can send in the best take and you don't have to be like fuck i got nervous in the audition and Right, we, didn't put on deodorant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, doesn't you matter. You don't have to put on deodorant if you don't feel like it. You really don't. You can just be a free woman. So great. <laughs> I was. I looked at your Wikipedia page real fast just to see like where you yeah. started everything. And this, I'm. I might actually cut this out of the podcast because I'm so embarrassed to admit this. I think you were born literally the day I was being handed my high school diploma. Really, third of June. Yes, because it that I saw your birthday. I graduated high school in 1989, and I saw your birthday, and I go June 3rd. That's probably around when I would have been graduating. And so I looked it up on Google what day of the week it was, and it was a Saturday. And I I feel like that might have been the actual day I was. Graduating. Oh, that's so crazy! I really think it was at the same time. I just like shot out of that vagina, and you were yeah, like, exactly, to- just that much was- in the same way that the diploma was shooting out into my oh, waiting my hands. God, that would be cosmic, wouldn't it? It'd be great. It <laughs> also just made me feel like. God damn it! I am really getting old, and that feels weird. Uh, that, that I was a, I was a fully grown like could have. Well, yeah, could I have voted yet? No, actually, I was still seventeen. So, but that that still like that that really like I was like, oh, this is really cool. Oh my god, I feel ancient. Uh, but oh no! It very- is strange, isn't it? I, I mean, I just can't compute that people are born in like nineteen ninety eight. I just, and that's only kind of nine years after me, but I, I'm like, what? That doesn't work. This is. Oh yeah. People born in the two thousands 
are just full on peep adults now. And saving like, the world. I yeah. know. Yeah, full, yeah. They did not know the 1900s at all. And they're fine oh. with that. <laughs> It's really, it's strange. And it's strange to think about like the albums that were huge when you were born or like the number one when you were born, which I actually don't know, which I should find out. But I love that. I love the idea that there were teenagers, whatever, like what were you listening to when you were 17? What would have been like your go-to song? Oh my God. I had a, so I had a kind of a wide berth of, I did listen to pop music. So there was, nice. I, I listened to like, Glam metal and pop music, but also British new wave. Wow. And, 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 and also like, just like weird progressive Brit rock. Like I, I loved XTC was a band that was like one of my favorite bands. Ooh. And, and they're a really interesting band because the lead singer, Andrew Partridge, like pretty early on in their career developed stage fright. And so they never performed live. So oh they would just write an album, record it, and then I, I think he, I think they just kind of forgot the songs after that because they never had to play them. Um, oh, what a life! Yeah, I was listening to REM, but then I was also listening to like Bell Biv DeVoe, which might have been eighty nine, ninety. So yeah, it was it was a very fertile time for music because all there were all these different subgenres of music. Like hip hop was evolving, and yes. Uh, you know, uh, alternative music was evolving and, and, you know, so yeah, I don't know. It never gets old that, it never, literally, it never gets old when you look at an album, like I really got into Pavement a few years ago and I remember oh, yeah. looking at a specific album by them and it probably was like 1996 and it's just like, whoa, that's so crazy that you just this little bumpkin rolling around when that, that album was huge. Was that yours then, Pavement? Was that... Um, no, when I was 17, I was a big Smiths fan. So I was, I was, The Queen is Dead was my album. But Morrissey these days has some pretty dubious opinions about everything. So so that's interesting that you say that because one of my best friends, April, who, by the way, a couple years ago, went to England, met a Brit, had a whirlwind romance, cut to a few months later, they're married and she's living in, in Brighton. Wow. Um, and she was such a Morrissey fan, like saw him in concert hundreds of times, had a stand-up tour around cities he was performing in. And like after some controversial stuff, basically had like a breakup with him where it's like, God damn it, I love your music, but I just don't feel, I don't feel aligned with you anymore. And got blowback from like the diehard Morrissey fans. And she was like, yeah, but I, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable anymore. So no, it's difficult. It's difficult. That's a perennial question, isn't it? The sort of when the values come into the artist's way or the artist's process, especially with all those filmmakers that we all know about, and it's sort of um, sinister. You know the things we hear about them, and it's yet yet they've made masterpieces, and it's um, it's uh, interesting to think about. What's your favorite Smith song? Is it a Smith song or is it a Morrissey solo? It'd probably be a Smith song. I love Still Ill. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on Rank. And that's also on, I think it's on the Smiths. Um, and Cemetery Gates is mm-hmm. a great song. So it'd probably be those two right up I, there. I remember when I was in, when I was in high school, because uh, I also had some friends who were, into very alternative, like super alternative music, which at the time, the Smiths and like the Smiths and the Cure and Depeche Mode 
they were very alternative in the States. There were, there was not like pop music in the, in really? the 80s. And like Depeche Mode didn't really tip until like Personal Jesus the next couple of years. Right. Um, Girlfriend in a Coma was like such a weird, in high school, you're like, holy shit, yeah. these guys are unhinged, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stop me if you think you've heard this one before, There's a Light That Never Goes Out, you know, just these. Oh, yeah. These like great. bad boy thematic, this this kind of like, you know, I'm very sad. I'm feeling very sad. And I'm I know. And talking about Oscar Wilde and getting away with it with daffodils in your back pocket. Like, yes, what but the songs were like, the dissonance of this, like, kind of sad, this sad boy lyrics, but with a very, like, jaunty. Totally. Vibe. It's like, yeah, disco melancholia. I don't know what it is. It's so cool. It's so, so... I'm going to run down this, the, the number one songs of each month of 1989. Oh, I'm just sort of curious to see if any of these mean anything to you. Starting in January, Every Rose Has a Th- Thorn by Poison. Do you know that song? I don't know that song well or at all. Okay. Well, Poison was like a glam rock band and Every Rose Has Its Thorn was their like ballad. Oh, wow. It's sort of the bad boy like, it's, I'm hard to love, but Every Rose Has Its Thorn. No, <laughs> like you gotta. <laughs> so uh, My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Okay, uh, nice. Phil, Phil Collins, Two Hearts. Oh, that's got to mean something because it's Phil. It's Collins. Phil. Yeah, it's Phil Collins. Yeah. Um, Paula Abdul, ha- Debbie Gibson and Paula Abdul kind of battled it out in February and March. Um, right. The Bangles. Oh, uh, and then, that means a lot. Yes. The which one? <laughs> the Bangles means the, a lot. The Bangles is gr- The Bangles are amazing. Yeah. Um, Roxette. Uh, she's got the look. Uh, oh. Fine Young Cannibals. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Oh, uh, Madonna, Like a Prayer was 1989. Nice. You got Bon Jovi. The Day That You Were Born, the number one song, Yeah, I don't think you're going to know this, was a soap opera star named Michael Damien who recorded a cover of the song Rock On. <laughs> hey, kids, rock and roll. And I think it was for a Corey Feldman, Corey Hain movie. Uh, oh wow and wow that makes yeah. a lot of sense I know I know more about all the Corys now because because uh, there was an interview recently with the Corey from Stand By Me yes Corey Feldman and was, yes and he was talking about all the other Corys around that time <laughs> there seemed to be a lot of Corys and I know this because Lisa Simpson and the Simpsons referenced the Corey hotline for a long time and as a child I didn't know what that was and yes. granted you're 30 I now understand Yes, yes, yes. The classic Corey hotline joke where she's addicted to calling the 900 number. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of Corys, and I guess Feldman's the official, the official Corey spokesperson. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being 
and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. So that was the day you were born. Then Bette Midler, Bette Midler, Wind Beneath My Wings. Then oh, a new kid song. Um, then you got Millie Vanilli, a very controversial band. I'm sure, I don't know if you remember. Uh, no, no idea. Okay, so Millie Vanilli uh, were these two dudes. I think their names were Robin Fabrice, these like, I think model dudes. And after they had like won Grammys and stuff and had a bunch of hit songs, it came out that they were lip syncing everything. <gasps> other people who were, I, I swear to Christ, I feel like I should be whittling on a rocking chair talking to, <laughs> I feel so old right now. Ah, Millie Vanilli, they didn't sing their own goddamn songs, but boy, did they get caught. And, I'm loving uh, it. Yeah, so if you're bored, look up the Millie Vanilli drama because it, I, I don't know if anything like it has happened in music since, but they were like the, the biggest band, one of the biggest bands in the world. And then all of a sudden, like, oops, they're actually not singing any of their songs. Oh my gosh. Obviously, I'm going to spend the next few months learning everything I can about these guys. But are they still alive? Like, are they now like. One 18? of them passed away and one of them is still alive. I don't know what they're doing now, but they had a ton of, they had a ton of hit songs and then almost just kind of vanished immediately once, once that, I think they probably yeah, had to get their Grammy back or oh. give it to the dudes who sang the songs or produced them. Yeah. So, yeah, you got some Janet Jackson in 89, some Billy Joel. Oh, We Didn't Start the Fire was 89. Oh, lovely. Well, there yeah. are some crackers in there. Yeah, and, and Prince's Bat Dance. Prince's oh. Bat Dance. Was so it was actually there. crammed full of gold. Yeah, so that was the time capsule of the year that you were born. Nice. Um, and, uh, and so it, it... It's good to know. Soap Star, Soap Star was number one when I was born. That's, that's great. Which one was that? The guy, the guy who was a soap star? Oh, yeah, this guy who was a soap star, Michael Damien. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. It must mean something. To well, I think it means, hey, kids, rock and roll, rock on. You know, we're going to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I meant in the sense of, like, what does it mean that the day you're born, the number one song is a soap star doing a cover? To be fair, this is the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Oh, uh, so, well. I don't know what was going on in the British charts. Um, I certainly, uh, let's, I mean, I can look up Billboard UK. Oh yeah, 1989 in British music. Um, so the day you were born in, it was, oh my God. Wow, so interesting. It was a cover of a song by Jerry and the Pacemakers called Fairy Cross the Mersey. And it was like Paul McCartney and a bunch oh, of- Ah, the legends. A bunch of people. But another cover. It's another it was co another cover. Jesus. It's like I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that Paul McCartney was involved though. That makes everything fine. Everything's okay now. Yeah. Oh, you had some really cool ones. You had Simple Minds that year. You had Mark Almond. Um, uh, who was in uh, the um, soft cell? Uh, a bang. You know, this is all really useful for you because of all the quizzes that are happening right now. We're both getting a lot of knowledge about what was number one in '89. 
I mean, if you find yourself in a virtual pub quiz uh, with 1989 music, you are going to... Oh, that's the other thing is that Britain, it's, it's such a pub culture. I know. How are I know. People, how are people... I mean, I'm not... I have not been a drinker for almost two decades, but I know that it's so much a part of the socialization <laughs> there. So what are people doing like... Like Zoom pubs? What are they doing? Yeah, quarantinis is the term that's been thrown <laughs> around over here. Bunch of morons. Um, we have shut down all the pubs and all the restaurants and all of that. I think people are still ordering in from places where they can. But um, yeah, I've just been drinking a lot of wine. My boyfriend and I have just been going through all of the wine that's been, you know, we're like, we'll have this on a really special day in the future. And we're just having it on a Thursday night and it's, fantastic every day um, is a special day in quarantine yeah, yeah but yeah pop culture definitely it's it's super strange especially you know england when the sun comes out it's right. like moth to a flame to a pub yes. <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 eerie without all of them open i mean same thing in new york right it's like new york is the going the bar culture there is so it's the epicenter of the oh world. yeah you could you you take two steps you can just fall you can trip into a bar in new york it's it's yes it's and cocktail hour it's really interesting i can't remember where it was i was reading about this recently where cocktail hour is such a mystical specific thing and i wonder for you if you don't drink is it something where it's kind of does it still have an exotic sense to it or is it no. sort of just like people just talking it's boring shit? to me yeah <laughs> exactly She's boring. never been a drinker and I, I just haven't been for a long time. And, it, and it's boring yeah. to us because yeah. the, I know that there are a lot of sober people who can actually just go and socialize and have a club mm. soda or a tea or a coffee or something. But to me, I just find like the, the smell of a bar it just mm-hmm. kind of ekes me out. And then also when people start getting buzzy, they just get real close and they start like breathing on you and they talk oh. louder and then they then they kind of stop making sense. And then it's like, oh yeah, if you kind of need to be in it with them for all of this. hundred <laughs> percent. I find, point of view, not for everyone. No, no. I totally view. get it. I took the whole of January off, uh, off booze. And I found that I found that like, gosh, people can be super tedious and we just egg each other on. And it's this like delusion that people operate within. It's, um, it, it depends who you get, right? Yeah. It depends who your, your buddy is. <laughs> but then the scary thing is and you go, Wait, was I like that? Oh my god, yeah. did I? I know, I know. Oh no. <laughs> I know. Awful. Never need to know. I by the way, my wife and I by sheer coincidence before you even booked to do the podcast, we watched Vivarium the day it came out on <gasps> Thank you. That's so nice that you saw we it. Loved it. And it is kind of a quarantine dystopian quarantine tale. Right. I know it's, it's very strange and it's come to my mind that I suppose no matter when you make a project, it'll be critiqued either at a festival or when it comes out. And therefore the context when it comes out is what's relevant and it'll kind of be applied to the project. So I was sort of saying for a while, yeah, super crazy. Cause you know, when we made it, it was really uh, the, the kind of prevalent, ideas were the housing crisis or gender roles or your responsibility in society etc but but now it's um it's yeah it's a totally different lens that's been put on and focus and for for a second there I kind of felt stupid talking about a film that we'd made it just seems sort of irrelevant the last few weeks but I'm like hey you know there's a lot to be paralleled there with the film and 
it won't be for everyone and that's sort of part of its lure maybe um but yeah i think the the concept of being obviously isolated is something that's being totally reflected but also what happens when your job is taken away from you and your family is taken away from you what's your sort of identity that's sort of something which i think we're all questioning or reflecting on in some way right um, but i hope i because i i know a lot of people and and i i felt this way too were very hesitant to when everything started like well i feel weird promoting stuff there's so much really yeah. important stuff going on in the world and i don't but then i i really do think that people appreciate the distraction of entertainment and they like the escape and it's your job and you know, it's okay. Like it's okay to, I mean, cause we're all in the same boat, you know, and everyone's doing the best they can. I don't think anyone would fault a person for like, Hey, a lot of people worked really hard on this thing. And people understand that in order to, you know, like restart the entertainment industry, which is in a bit of flux, People yeah. need to be watching stuff to help infuse that back into the economy. And so it's, yeah. I don't know. I it, I hope there's no lingering feelings of, ah, I feel weird talking about a movie. I mean, you were, a lot right. of people worked hard on that. You should. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's a big point is like the number of people involved in it and, and the fact that the cinema is obviously closed um, just as we are releasing the film which is just one of those things that happen and, and if it means that at home people have a chance to see it more potentially that's awesome um and it is something which you know that we're i think we're all pretty pretty proud of it like it was such a gamble something like that um and i wonder how how does that make you feel were you sort of just like horrified <laughs> or were you were you kind of there is a dark humor i guess Oh yeah. I mean that, but that movie's so in the zone of the type of stuff that Lydia and I watch, you know, we watch a lot of horror, psychological thriller, dystopian future, black mirror-y type of stuff. And so it, it's, I mean, it is so squarely in the zone of of stuff that we like, but the thing that I, I'm just, I don't want to talk about details of it too much because I want people to take the journey of it. But yeah. the thing that, that I was watching, and I, 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 I'm thinking, like, this actually would make a really cool play because the way that it works, again, without giving too much away, it, I think it could totally work as a play. That's a great point because it also, what it has at its core is, you know, it's, it's an absurdist story. So it, and all the absurdist playwrights out there, like Ionesco or even um Beckett or something like that it, it kind of fits right in and I think that's because of the Irish sensibility right. of it too or the folks behind it who are magically nuts um but no it, it totally lends itself to the stage and it's so sparse and um it's interesting that's a really cool idea I hadn't actually thought of that yeah it might be a fun I mean who knows who, who knows how these things work I'm, I know I'm sure that there are lawyers and you know it takes a lot but it it is I, I just because of the way the set is and the colors of it. I mean, it just to me, I I love like kind of sci-fi stuff that is able to do sci-fi, and I consider it sci. Do you consider it sci-fi or psychological thriller? How do you? What, I mean, you- I think a bit of both. I think it's like a mixed bag. I'd say psychological thriller because it's about psychosis, but then you've got this like 
without giving too much away the boy and all of that and what he entails that's sort of certainly sci-fi um but i think it's sort of yeah it's got a it's got a leg on each um i think and in a weird way i don't know if you feel this but more and more genre as a term just seems so elasticated right like if genre used to mean movies like the blob Mm -hmm. it's now black mirror and it's something kind of slightly more i don't know cerebral potentially or whatever but right. it feels more um people are getting more excited about genre as a, a, a playing field where it's there's sort of it's less about gratuitous violence or gore but it's more about kind of the exploration of human nature under certain circumstances or pressures or and that's what we all kind of crave yeah but i i love a this is maybe this is a weird statement, but I love sci-fi that doesn't really have a lot of special effects. And the reason that I love that is because it forces, um, it forces the filmmakers, the creators to paint a world without having the luxury of like, Oh, CGI monster CGI. Not that I don't love that stuff, but the movies that use like, one of the greatest Doctor Who episodes in history to me is an episode called Blink, which is all about the, um, the, uh, the, the weeping angels. And there's uh, not a lot of special effects in it. It's just the way that the shots were created with these statues in a way yeah. that made it so creepy. And I just love the idea that people can paint a sci-fi e- ecosystem without a ton of cra- and there are some special effects in it there's some trippy shit that happens but yeah but you're so right it's just the idea that you're left with like i always for me still the scariest movie ever is the others because it's all oh, yeah psychological or like stoker or movies like that where you're kind of left trying to piece together something and it's eerie there's a there's a haunting nature to something which it it's still it doesn't just live on the screen it lives in your mind a long time yes. after the fact but have you seen um night of the comet of course yeah it's like classic, I mean, yeah. it's like it's so funny i saw it they had it at the nighthawk in in brooklyn um one of the nighthawks a, a few months ago and i went to see it and it was so funny because basically the girls would be sorting out a huge huge apocalyptic disaster and then they'd hop off their bikes and just suddenly start boogieing and it was yeah. just like with this incredible hair. That's the eighties like, wow, for you. Yeah, this that, is that, great. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah where it's like it creates the mutants, and everyone turns into these piles of dust. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah it's great. <laughs> Night of the Comet is great. Like it's 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 funny that there are gems in the eighties that, at the time, people are like, "Ah, eh, it's just some weird genre cult movie. No one's gonna remember this." And some of them actually like take roots and are still <laughs> talked about today. Totally, totally. And I wonder, it makes me think, you know, I've done a couple genre pieces that at the time were quite polarizing, potentially. That makes it sound sort of grander or more people (laughs) cared than they did. But in the sense of um, when something isn't immediately like adored or relatable or trusted, it takes time to sort of find its audience and then becomes beloved. And it's, it's, seems so often with these 80s movies that that kind of that's occurred yeah i mean especially with people and like with gen xers like myself there's the nostalgia factor where we sort of mm-hmm. remember like wow yeah 
I remember when th- when that was reality, when that big hair just looked like hair, you know? Yeah. yeah but then right. I would imagine for you, it's it's almost like me looking at stuff in the 60s, like, whoa, what a what a crazy peek back at to how people were back then. You I know, know it's, it's like an arm's length thing. Cause obviously, you know, I think about my mom as a, as a young woman during that decade, but it's, it's really, um, it's, yeah, it was just before me really. And just the colors, the vibrancy of it. It's like when you think about when you're a child and you think about the past and black and white, and then you think about the eighties as like and crazy hallucinogenic rush. Um, but yeah, the eggs were coke fueled, and and I think yeah. that a, a music producer told me once. He said, "Do you know why so much of the music in the in the early to mid eighties was there was not a lot of low end? It was a lot of really high end. You know, like especially like um, uh, there just wasn't a lot of outside of hip hop. There wasn't a lot of bass and things. Things were really high end. And he said the reason things sounded so tinny and trebly." is because the, <laughs> the music producers were doing, everyone was doing so much coke that it affected <laughs> how they were hearing the songs. And so they just kept cranking up the high end. And it just like, even that sort of a cultural thing versus yeah. a decade before when people <laughs> were doing totally different drugs in the 70s. And that's why everything was so like- Everyone was like, oh my God, it sounds great. It sounds great. Heavy so and good. trippy and, you know, like greasy. And so it, yeah. it is like that idea that, uh, that a whole cultural movement is influenced by just the drugs that the creators were doing. Yes, yes. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. Wow. And by it's, the way, you say that, and I feel like, is that a, is that a boombox radio in your, on your dresser back there? Is that a tape deck? It's an old school cassette. cassette. There might be a Millie Vanilli tape in there already. Like, yes. it might be in there already. Fingers crossed. I hope so. Um, yeah, there's this. My, my boyfriend's got this Sonos. Yeah. Yeah. All all linked up around the house, but it it's it fails us frequently. So you know, you got to just go back to basics. So you've got you've got the tape deck and and the antennas up. You can get pick up a radio station if you need to hear what's going on. I know it's fantastic. There's, yeah, we've got a lot of those like mode dial switch switcheroos. Fantastic. 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 Keeping it real. Have you all discussed the first thing you're going to do? So let's say, you know, whatever it is in a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it is. And they go, okay, everyone, you can go out, you can go out now and do whatever you want. Have you decided, are you going to leave that day? Are you going to stay in for a while? Are you going to, what's the first I'm, thing? I'm, I'm not going to stay in for a while, but the first thing I'm going to do is go see my mom because she lives in London too. And I haven't, my, my, my mom and dad, I haven't seen them obviously because I'm not going to, I'm, convinced that I, I just want to wait till the end of this isolation period so see them that's kind of the most sentimental thing but then um I wonder I mean you know what it is it's it sounds so corny but it's so true about all the things that you took for granted all of the the everyday activities or the routine or the rituals that we had and you really miss them and I'm I'm kind of a solitary bird most of the time um, but that's not to say that I don't like being around other people and like being in the midst of all of that too. And it's all very well and good to be the person who's like, I'm going to stay at home and read a book, which is my favorite thing to do to a detriment. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting having this time because you do think, well, yeah, the world, the world is so much bigger. And I think we all, we, we have all been so globally connected. Um, I just hope that that, 
last. So I hope that that sort of doesn't just kaput at the end of this period, you know, when hopefully we have some time to, to go back out into the world again. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a corny stuff that rings true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I miss the fact that, you know, there was one little cafe that I used to eat breakfast at every morning and I had a little writing ritual and I ordered the same yeah. thing every single day. And yeah. that, that in Disneyland, which is a big ticket item, but, but going <laughs> to the cafe is really like, I miss that so much. I'm going to be so excited to be able to go back and just sit down and have the same breakfast and see the same group of regulars and just, yeah. Feel like, oh, and isn't it interesting? It's just, I, I, whether or not you go every day or once a week, whatever it is with that cafe, it's that sense of certainty. And it's that sense of, I will be going back to that place. And as we were saying at the beginning of our conversation, it's really fascinating what happens when we feel uncertain or knowledge isn't being fed to us or sort of where to believe again. It's the, it's the whole media question, isn't it? And, and until we kind of, it's just this like open-ended question mark right now. And it's, um, it's a lot harder to do something without a deadline. Right. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So for, for now I'm just eating my boyfriend baked this banana bread. So we're just just eating stuff all the time. I mean, it's shocking, right? Just keeps coming towards you. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times a day I have a bowl of cereal, which I never do. Wow. I'm like, well, why not? Why not? Why not have a fucking bowl of cereal at three o'clock in the afternoon? You know, isn't that interesting? Do you do you have children? No, we have a puppy though. Yes, it's the same. But he has he does Harry Child. He, he, we have a small hairy child who is eating up a lot of attention, thankfully. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's, it's kind of interesting how, I mean, I think it's, uh, gosh, it will be a whole other conversation and a whole other experience for, for folks out there who have kids. But the idea of this, this length of time is kind of its um, recipe for nostalgia, isn't it? Because it takes you back to a time beforehand where, as I said, you don't have those deadlines. You don't have that sort of immediacy i mean you you're still able and you're still working so much but it's like uh there's that sense of of time which is reminiscent of like teenage years it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of strange and i I say that with someone as as someone who doesn't have kids and a ton of responsibilities outside of you know my home but this episode is brought in part to you by audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Yeah, I know that when this first went down, there, there, I read something that said, oh, there's probably going to be a baby boom after this. And I kind of thought, I don't know if people, maybe there will be. Like a thing, yeah. But I'm not sure that people are like, oh, yeah, now, let's just make a baby now in a pandemic. Yeah, maybe yeah, there will be. Bonk. Yeah, I know. Or like divorce, surely. That's probably going to be. Oh, more yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 a thousand percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like it's. Yeah, it's about people it. are now going to be forced to kind of like deal oh. with their issues, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially if they're in a small flat, you know? Jeez, yeah. I know. Yeah. Not fun. Been there. What are you doing? Like, uh, so you're reading and you're, you're eating banana bread, which is great. Are, is there yeah, I know. I sound like a, just a caveman, oh, an intellectual caveman. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> Uh, me read Oscar Wilde today. Um, are you? Is there another creative outlet that you have? Is there something that you're, you know? Yeah, I mean, all all of the above. You know, like painting, watching movies. I just watched Swiss Army Man for the first time, which oh, yeah, I yeah. hadn't seen. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Radcliffe so, is gr- it's Radcliffe, right? Daniel Rad. It's Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and Paul Dano, yeah. and that tremendous. He's great. Like Dan makes the best. Because he's cool. in Miracle Workers too, which is a fucking phenomenal show. If you haven't seen it, the, which show? It's called Miracle Workers. It's him I and Steve Buscemi. It. Him and Steve Buscemi, and each oh. season, it's sort of like Blackadder. Each season is a different time, is a different storyline with the same people. Oh my god, I have to see it. I'm a, I'm the biggest fan of Steve Buscemi. That's crazy. They're both they're both great. So you watch so you watch Swiss Army Man. What else? Um, I saw. Well, I finally watched The Jinx. Uh huh. Haven't seen that. Finally watched that. And Succession. I'm watching Succession, which is fantastic. Everyone says that. We haven't started. We haven't watched it yet. It's really good. It's also just got like the best, it's got the best actors and the storyline's fantastic and it's completely absurd. And Nicholas Braun is so good. He's so, have you met him? I may be, you know. He's really tall. I think. He's great. He's really good. And he plays Cousin Greg and it's just like, but everyone in it's fantastic. It's Sarah Snook and, and Jeremy Strong and everyone. Um, I feel like that weird thing where I'm not going to list the entire cast, but everyone is so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there isn't, because, it's like, because it's real people drama, like I know it's a bit heightened, but my wife and I generally, like we're watching The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Like we tend to like, a, like anything that has like a weird supernatural or horror mm-hmm. or some sort of weird thriller, but like real people drama is it's difficult for, it's difficult to really sit down and, and focus on that. I'm like, yeah, this is, this could happen. You know, I want to, I know, I know. It's interesting, isn't it? When you, when you're kind of drawn to something, which initially, it just seems so other. It just seemed at arm's length. It seemed like an entirely different world. And I watched uh, a quiet place recently yeah. and um, whatever it meant, it was, it was just the connection with people having to adapt to something yeah fascinating to watch yeah it really really is um yeah it's strange have you had um have you stopped to think about at all like because now that the momentum of our lives has just like come to a grinding halt have you started thinking about like oh you know when this is all through and i finish working on why the last man like these are the I, these are the types of things that i want to do or the types of 
roles that I want to pursue? Like, do you think about your career in that kind of a tapestry or do you just sort of like, is it just a case by case, whatever comes in, you then sort of decide? I guess it depends. I mean, yeah, these circumstances are, are, are very interesting because I think it does force you to actually exist in the present. Mm-hmm. Again, not sound corny, which I do because I keep saying not sound corny, but there's something <laughs> about this time where you don't necessarily meditate too much on the past or the future because you're sort of, you're so in the moment um, which has got its advantages. Um, but in terms of a career, I've never been the one to have a plan per se, but I've certainly implemented control where I can in, in a job where, where you really don't have much of it um, in the sense of knowing at certain points what I didn't want to do right. for better or worse. And then as time's gone on, I think you do start to kind of cultivate a troop around you or a world around you and, and people of similar um, taste, uh, hopefully, um, people who challenge your taste and all of that stuff. But I know filmmakers who I'd love to work with. I think that's sort of the perennial thing and, and the thing that you look for and, and seek. Um, but I think it always felt just kind of silly and a bit trite to, to have some big plan. Yeah, um, and, and it's possible. hard anyway, because you just don't know. Like, you you just... Yeah, I mean, maybe, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's certainly something, as I've gotten older, where, first of all, you're honest about how much you've changed. You're, you're honest with yourself about, and with other people, about what you valued when you were 20 as an mm-hmm. actor, and, and what you knew then compared to what you know now, and how your world was actually the purview of being an actor at that age is so much more limited right? Um, compared to now. And you kind of start to question what your responsibility is as an actor. Is it just acting? And are you supposed to, you know, are you, su- are you supposed to play this role on top of a persona or on top of it? It's, it's interesting sort of what it means right. more and more when you, when you deconstruct it, I suppose. Um, yeah, but you, you definitely pick cool stuff to work on. So that obviously, you know, like when you hear someone's name, when they start, when they start stacking up credits and stuff they worked on, you go, oh yeah, they actually pick cool stuff. I always kind of think, well, they're probably fun to hang out. They're probably cool to hang out with because they have to actively choose those things. And so those must be extensions of their personality because right. they're exploring all these different things. I mean, it is it is sort of um, a roadmap when you start to put everything all together. Yeah. And it's nice how often it happens where you can do a film and then that filmmaker's friend, who's also from Austin, who's also into the kind you know, there's a whole group of filmmakers who are all buddies and they're whole same as, you know, whole groups of actors. And I think, and I think that's it, isn't it? Same as comedy troops. It's like yeah. everyone is sort of in it together and, and you meet people through people and it can become quite a beautiful tribe to be a part of. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, then that becomes your new safety, doesn't it? It becomes your new safe spot. So if the dangerous thing is to step on to something more shiny, um, where you might actually for once have like a nice hairdo and decent makeup. (laughs) I mean, decent in the sense of people make you look nice. (laughs) Um, I should maybe consider thinking about doing more of that. (laughs) Um, Less like sweaty grime all the time. Yeah, but you, I, I don't, the, the thing that I saw when I looked at your Wikipedia page was that you almost became a veterinary surgeon, but then 
quickly. Yeah, but I, I said that, you know, that was like one of those things you say when you're 15. And I was like, I was going to be a vet. And I, it was like, I fainted because a cat had gallbladder stones removed in front of me. And that dream just busted. <laughs> but but that was actually for two seconds. But um, then you found improv. <laughs> then I, exactly, so close. But what's strange is I also feel like a number of the veterinar- veterinarians, the veterinarians that I would watch, they were all these like TV shows when I was growing up of like vets and um a lot of them like turned out to have really like sinister pasts so i think that also like yeah yeah like not not great you know listen if i have a kid someday when he's eight or nine he starts dissecting animals i'm probably gonna raise an eyebrow yeah that's fair he's like oh i just want to be a vet i'm like but really you sure and if it's a what what are we calling these animals again the armadillo-esque Corona pangolins. If it's a pangolin, then yeah, that well, they're endangered. So then he would super be breaking the law at that wow. point. Wow, how yeah. would he have even gotten it? Yeah, so strange. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's how he would have gotten it. And again, this is not to take this is not to take a dump on vets. What they do is amazing and heartbreaking. Amazing. I just got a bad. I don't know what happened. I just got the 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 wrong window into that profession it was the right window though because it led you in a much better direction it led me to stardom no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) absolutely joking Uh, maybe you'll get to play a vet in something yes wouldn't that be nice but i just love that improv like was improv was improv training something you pursued or was it just sort of the pivot that i was i did a theater group once a week which was awesome because um it was kids from all different backgrounds all different ages and we were all thrown together and you basically had to stand up and potentially fall into deep hot water and embarrass yourself and that was one of the most incredible things thinking back on it what that does for you as a person because obviously we are all these mobile bags of nerves but it, it teaches you to kind of I don't know, just put something out there and stand behind it. Yeah. Um, and it was really, yeah, I think it was actually really, really far more formative than I, than I knew at the time. Um, so yeah, it was through like that theater group, we did improvisation, we wrote our own stuff and it was, um, some things were comedic and then it's always, I always find it strange when you did an improvisation that was extremely dramatic, you right. know, like very serious. It sort of just seemed odd. Yeah, I don't understand serious improv. I know it exists. Long form improv, though, is seems very foreign to me because it, it, whether or not it's comedic or dramatic, it's still just the idea of like having to remember this wealth of information that you start building <laughs> and calling it back and constructing the world in real time. And I have friends who are unbelievable at it. Wow. But it just like that part of it feels that part of it feels rough to me. Like, Oh wait, yeah. what did I say before? Oh, you're a, Oh, you're a plumber. Like I just, you know, I, yeah. I, and it's an interesting tool when it comes up in work too, because often you can have a fantastic script and people want to improvise around it and that's fine. But it's questionable when people want to improvise because something's sagging or there's some hot, there's some air that needs right. to be filled. And it's kind of, it's almost like a panic suggestion rather than something to better the or best of the project or enrich the characters it's, it's more like something like we'll just improvise it and uh hopefully something good comes up you know it's like vomit yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but when people, uh, if people are sitting around, there's a lot of stuff of yours that they can watch. They could wa- they should watch Bavarium. And then also Black Christmas was super fun too. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was the biggest fan of Sophia to call. Mm-hmm. Um, she's made some awesome movies, really cool. And I couldn't wait to work with her. I'd wanted to work with her for so long. Um, and we shot that in New Zealand last summer. Wow. And she had to turn it around in like three months. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. The idea of even just being in somewhere else right now, working with a group of people. Mad. So I found a picture from literally the day before, the day before everything went haywire. I was working on, um, I I was weirdly acting in something for a friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, one of my old friends. And I found a picture of, me like doing taking a selfie picture in front of like video village with other actors and the director and the sound people and everyone's just clustered together and i'm like jesus christ like i got almost a panic attack like we were all just right next to each other and then, i know like, it it's two years so, ago so strange i had the same thing in new york as a friend's birthday and we were all just crammed around this table in this italian restaurant or like sharing pieces of fried ends of some fish and it's just like a world away. It's totally nuts. But one day, one day. One day, it'll happen again. It will happen again. Like, it's, it's weird and shitty and awful, but we, it, we will get through it, and it it'll will... feel so good. It will happen again, and hopefully we'll appreciate it more this time. Um, I think so. Even, like, live music, that's what I'm missing, you know? Going to a live concert. Maybe that's the first thing to do. Yeah. Uh, who are you listening to right now that you would go see? Who would you consider breaking? Oh. You would do it. Who would you consider breaking quarantine for? If they- I know. Aldous Harding. All right. I'm going to write this down. Aldous Harding is the future. She is unbelievable. And she's from New Zealand. Okay. And I'm a really big fan of hers. So I okay. probably, she's, she's got a Kate Bush thing going on, but she's, as a performer, she's just, I think she's fantastic. All right. Aldous Harding. I've just written it down. And I also wrote down Willie Watson, uh, which I feel he, like I should know, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm a hundred. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I just talked to Catherine Hahn a couple of days ago and, you're, oh. and I know this much is true. Yes. Yes. She is a magical creature. I love Catherine Hahn so much. Isn't she incredible? She is one of those, yeah, she's one of those people. um, I met her a few years ago, and then we reunited, although didn't even see each other on the project. I know this much is true. She is so wonderful and has such an incredible quality. She's 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 so compassionate. It, it's yeah. quite extraordinary. Um, when you meet someone like that, it stays with you a, a long, long time, doesn't it? Um, yeah, because she has this she has this infectious magnetic energy mm-hmm. that just feels uh, it just feels like you want to be in this joy orbit around her. And she's so yeah. unbelievably talented. So I'm excited yeah. to see that when that she's comes so around. and she's so connected to you immediately. She's she connects with people. She's a uh, She's, yeah, she's a genius. I loved Private Life. Did you see that with her and Paul Giamatti? No, Um, but now, but I'm writing this down too. It is so great. It's by this wonderful filmmaker called Tamara Jenkins, who did a film called The Savages beforehand. But it's it's about a couple, 
who basically are going through IVF potentially, but it, it's a, it's sort of to do with all of that about wanting to have children, and they are the performance is just mind blowing, and the, the 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 younger actress in it is great too. But yeah, it's just it's a brilliant film. So as we're wrapping this out, is there any like what? Just to focus on some, you know, like um, for people who are feeling cooped up or stressed or whatever, do you just have some like joy advice or like what are you doing to find joy in the midst of this kind of chaos bubble that we're in? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'd say like structure's pretty good. I'd say mm-hmm. structure's been pretty helpful for me to have. Um, a Monday to Friday and then really enjoy the weekends and just put anything you can find into your body to make yourself feel great. (laughs) Um, But really have a kind of structured week. And I mean, I get a lot of joy from painting and drawing and I think sort of sitting with that part of yourself. And also um, as someone who is quite flaky and I want to get better at that, I think connecting to other people is a lot easier and so it's so fulfilling you can just pick up a phone you can have a phone conversation with someone you can write letters to people you can sort of connect all over again in a different way and I think it'll actually be far more focused and meaningful I think Instagram is fine but I think it's also not helpful in any way towards mental health at all um but and cooking cooking is wonderful learn how to really cook with some chickpeas and some sweet potatoes and i've been doing a lot of cooking and eating as we suggest and spoke about earlier um and think about what do you what do you want to represent when you come out of it don't you think oh, that's like, a great sentiment what do you want to represent when you come out of it that is great and just a, just a footnote on that i think instagram if you let Instagram direct you, it's not great, but you, but I think people need to remember, like you could just follow like positive stuff or mental health stuff. Like you can, you can sort of direct the algorithm to feed you the kind of experience that you want. But because someone, many of us like mindlessly scroll through it, we're sometimes we're just given crap because it's like, it's just shoving popular stuff in our face, but you could create a yeah. positive experience, but you just have to be mindful of it. It's- you do. You have to curate it yourself entirely. And and I think in times like these too, it's very complicated to know what's real and what's not real. And especially for people out there who are by themselves, there's a, there's a, it can be a lot of noise just in your own mind. It's it's hard to, to kind of um, find some peace. So yeah, whatever helps to um, to not confuse your realities, I think is is a good thing. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Thank you for, uh, you know, I mean, I hope this was fun and distracting for you for an hour. Uh, So nice. No, thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. It's so lovely. And it's also weird because it's like 11 a.m. for you and seven something for me in the evening. So it's. Yeah. 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 We're on on, on a weird, we're on a weird time shift here, but the weather here, you have nice weather there and we have shitty weather here in LA. So we have. Aha, for once. The tables have turned. Doesn't feel good at all. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Please stay safe and stay healthy. And you, um, too, you know, I, I really, I wish you all the best, and I, I hope you get to see your family very, very, very soon. Thank you. Stay safe, and thanks so much for a lovely talk. Okay, thanks you as well. See you later. Bye. ID Tanti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> 
Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fu, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.